This is Waleed Mansour, fourth year ER resident at St. Mary Mercy Hospital. Uh, we have Dr. Chris Brock, uh, attending physician at St. Mary Mercy Hospital. How are you today? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Um, today we're going to talk about a few topics. Uh, this month we're learning about pediatrics, so he's going to tell us a good case about pediatrics in general and uh, possible fever topic, correct? Uh, yeah, I have a few different cases actually. So. Uh, I just graduated residency from St. Mary's, so Congratulations. it's great to uh, be back here. And uh, so my last month on residency, I actually was in the pediatric ICU up at uh, Hurley Medical Center. So okay. I had a few interesting cases um, from that month, which uh, played great in today's, into today's topic. So um, the first one I'll talk about, uh, today we covered both uh, like Alti, Brew, um, and pediatric fevers. Um, so the first case I have was a, a, a two-week-old actually that had uh, presented. It was in the uh, in the for the first visit after uh, birth for um, just a primary care weight check and all that. And uh, they came in and apparently had some kind of event while they were actually at the doctor's office. Okay. So um, while they were at the doctor's office, they had an episode of uh, where they, the patient was in the room with the parents, the baby had was kind of like coughing, gagging, choking a little bit, uh, hadn't been feeding or anything like that, but all of a sudden kind of turned blue. Okay. Um, so the doctor was called into the room, the doctor said she came in, just did some spinal stimulation actually on the baby, and the baby kind of pinked back up, went back to normal, but had a second episode um, just a few minutes later. Okay. Same thing again, no CPR was performed, it lasted less than a minute altogether, uh, but was sent over to the hospital for evaluation. So um, this was obviously, you know, very a newborn, mm -hmm. so um, didn't quite fit criteria uh, for a low risk <coughs> for brew. So the patient was um, admitted for observation and, um, you know, baby looked well, the vital signs were normal. Um, the only thing that was really remarkable was we had suctioned the baby's nose and it had just a large amount of uh, output from the nose. Uh, we'd suctioned a, a lot of mucus from their big green boogers, basically. Wow, so, And from an um, ER's perspective, uh, Dr. Brock, um, I think that, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, the two main things is the first, first uh, thing was the recurrent episode. So you had two episodes, which is a concerning, which kind of violated the uh, low-risk brewery patient and uh, as well as uh, the baby being two weeks old so you you have to be older than six months for you to be low-risk correct? Correct. Okay. So um, the new term here for uh, Alti now is the transition over what's called a brew. It's a brief resolved unexplained event so uh, it's basically a diagnosis of exclusion mm -hmm. now so obviously it has to be brief less than one minute have resolved the baby's back to the baseline uh, unexplained, you can't find any other cause uh, and some kind of uh, event that. So the um, criteria now for the brew are that has to have been less than one minute of an event with some kind of usually typically like a central cyanosis, decreased tone, um, but and has resolved back to baseline. Um, 
the features that are lower risk now uh, are age greater than 60 days, lack of prematurity, so gestational age more than 32 weeks, or a post-conceptual age of greater than 45 weeks, having been the first isolated incident, so they couldn't have had a previous brew. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, duration less than one minute, and not have had any CPR provided by a medical provider, okay. so a medical professional. So if the parent did CPR, apparently it doesn't matter. Now, <laughs> I think you would use your own uh, judgment based on that, whether you know this was truly uh, some kind of event or not, but some people may not know. They might just start doing CPR right away. They might not even be doing it effectively or know how to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and then uh, not have any other concerning features based on your exam or uh, you know physical exam findings, abnormal vital signs. So those if they meet those criteria, then they're considered low risk. And based on this, um, you know, depending on uh, your comfort, uh, you could probably discharge this person with close follow-up if they have good follow-up uh, within 24 hours. Typically what I would do if I were going to send a patient like that home was I would call the pediatrician to arrange for close follow-up the next okay. morning or something like that. Um, <coughs> And then obviously give good return okay. precautions and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and would you give? Would you perform any labs or imaging on this low risk patient? So if they're low risk uh, and you don't find anything concerning, nothing abnormal on exam, mm -hmm. then you don't. If you find something focal, then obviously it's not unexplained, and you need to investigate that further. Um, so if the if the child basically if they don't m meet those low risk criteria though, um, then this is somebody that you need to admit. Definitely. Uh, or if you find any any reason for this, uh, have them worked up for their Definitely. directing your attention toward that reason. Yes. So for this patient, you know, two week old, uh, less, you know, two episodes of a brew. Mm -hmm. We the ER admitted the patient yes. to the PICU. To the PICU. Yep. Because of increased tracheal secretions. Uh, they had n increased nasal secretions, but we monitored the patient for 24 hours. They didn't have any more events. Okay. Um, you know, we contributed mainly to the secretions. Yeah. Um, it was more more or less explained okay. by that. They did it we ended up doing a viral panel just because they were having a lot of secretions okay. at the time. It turned out negative. They had no further fevers, their vitals were stable, they fed well and went home the next day. Perfect. So yeah. Um, then what we'll talk about fevers a little bit. Um, I had a particular interesting case. Um, another um, previously well uh, female, I think she was uh, about five weeks old, Okay. Um, but had come in actually to the ER. She um, was initially brought in, didn't have a fever at the time that she was brought into the ER, but um, just had decreased tone, wasn't feeding well, uh, was spinning up a little bit more than usual. So those were kind of the clues as to something that was wrong for the mom. And then the, the patient ended up developing a little bit of a fever while in the ER, uh, had a full septic workup, minus actually a LP at that point. No okay. LP was performed, um, but was started on antibiotics. And okay. then, because it were five weeks, it was a, a full-term infant, uh, normal um, uh, prenatal labs and everything like that, no infections for the mom. So. Um, the patient was admitted and brought in for um, for sepsis. Okay. Um, ended up having positive blood cultures, 
got uh, amp gent, and then I think we also had an added vancomycin based on the sensitivity for or the the blood cultures for that patient because they did have a positive blood culture. And actually, what we did was uh, because they had a positive blood culture at that age, increased risk of uh, also developing meningitis uh -huh. uh, from the infection. So. Um, we ended up doing LP. The LP was normal, cultures were normal, but uh, what's good to know is that even if you don't do the LP right away, they will have persistently abnormal labs uh, for the LP, so the glucose and the CSF or protein and white blood cells will be persistently abnormal for several days, okay. at least after up to a week even. Do the, uh, do the cultures get affected or no? The cultures would be affected, but okay. like I said, the, the labs would be abnormal. So if they, you saw abnormal labs, uh, and the infectious disease specialist said if we saw an abnormal glucose or protein or white blood cells in the CSF at that point, they would have done a longer course of antibiotics, but okay. everything had kind of normalized. Uh, unfortunately, on the final day of the antibiotics or the first course, the patient ended up actually developing another episode um, where they had a bloody stool and then started having poor feeding and got another infection while in the, in the hospital. Um, so we had to restart the antibiotics all over again, redo the LP. <laughs> wow. So, and uh, then culture out a different type of bacteria while in there. So she got a further, further workup for um, possible just um, immunodeficiency syndromes and things like that. Wow, okay. So. Uh, we didn't end up, I don't think, finding anything on her, but luckily, you know, she, the patient had done well and worked up. Um, but I want to actually talk about here um, a case, or not a case, a new um, kind of algorithm for approaching um, the patients the pediatric here fever. with a fever. Okay. So um, there's a new uh, study that was done in the Journal of Pediatrics from 2006, August 2016. Um, this was uh, also talked about on the MRAP episode, another uh, great podcast um, earlier this year. It's called the step-by-step -step approach algorithm okay. for evaluation of fever in infants less than 90 days with no obvious source. So um, what they did basically was used a step-by-step -step approach. So basically, if they're less than 21 days, they basically considered those patients high risk. They get a full septic workup, cultures, urine, blood, um, CSF LP, with LP. Okay. Um, but if they were more than 21 days, between 21 and 28 days, they ended up being intermediate risk, and basically those patients also need the full septic workup at that point too. Uh, but what they did for patients older than that, so if they uh, have an abnormal pediatric assessment, uh, abnormal vital signs, um, ill-appearing, anything like that, then they consider them high risk. If they weren't, if they were uh, less than, or sorry, greater than uh, 21 days old, then they were also considered uh, low risk. If they have leukocytosis, uh, they were high risk, you do full workup. Okay. But less than that, uh, then you would go on to check a uh, procalcitonin level. And if the procalcitonin level was less than 0.5 uh, nanograms per milliliter, then they would go on and you get a CRP and an ANC. Uh, so if the CRP was less than 20 milligrams per liter or an ANC, uh, absolute neutrophil count was less than uh, 10,000 uh, per millimeter, was um, and then they were considered a low-risk patient okay. and just doing uh, like a focal 
testing. Uh, urine culture usually was included in that. Okay. Though. So CBC, urine culture, things like that. So basically, but you can avoid LP. LP. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this um, had, I believe, like a 99.6% uh, sensitivity. Wow. Or sorry, specificity, um, but uh, lower sensitivity. Okay. So. Uh, but you, that's good though. You, you don't want to miss things. So with the high uh, sensitivity, you won't miss things. So with this, you're not missing or uh, missing uh, all these high-risk infections. And the people that they did miss were usually in this intermediate group that were between 21 and 28 days. So basically, they said, well, then you basically just do a full workup on anybody less than 28 days okay. after the the study, because they were doing looking at 21 days in the study, but yeah. found that the people that they did miss, it was a group of about 2,000 patients, and there were four misses in that age range. Wow. So uh, I think it's a good way, a uh, good algorithm to use to try and uh, decrease uh, the number of LPs you're doing, you know, because there's also always risk of complications Definitely. and uh, inducing infection, you know, hydrogenic infections and things like that by doing LP. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no test we do uh, is without its own risks Definitely. as well. So, um, but that being said, so, if you do have a patient you suspect sepsis in that age range, uh, usually start AMP Gent or AMP Cefotaxime, uh, plus minus acyclovir if you're concerned about uh, HSV meningitis too, yeah. if there's any history of that or concern of that. Or any type of seizure activity, sure. then you'd recommend acyclovir. Right, exactly. So um, that's about all I have for today. But um, yeah, luckily the, the cases I have, everybody ended up doing well and awesome. uh, going home. Uh, but uh, yeah, we definitely had a lot of sick kids that month, so it was a good learning experience. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for your time, Dr. Brock. Um, until next time. All right, thank you.